come back to the third place. It's been a little bit on this wonderful little trip through all these episodes and all these guests and all these games. I'm so it's honestly I'm thinking back on it and it's such a fun little time on a very dreary North Carolina uh month. Is it Monday or Tuesday? I can't remember. But it is a Tuesday here in North yeah. Carolina because we're both coming in from from the state. <laughs> yeah. But uh, um, I want to introduce a very dear friend, a, v- a very dear IRL friend who uh, I've become very dear friends with over the last few months. As we've been talking for a few months, I think. I can't remember. But mm-hmm. we uh, he is a dear friend, a uh, very uh, beloved Carolina boy uh, by, <laughs> by you. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. But I... You are actually the first person from Twitter I've met in real life because we, we we both hair we both come from the great Tar Heel state of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we live roughly, I think it's like two hours apart. I think, mm-hmm. which knowing this state, you know, you could live, you could live in Asheville, and then one person lives in Wilmington, and that's five hours apart. So I'm grateful that uh, we live pretty relatively close. We. Yeah. And we're and we're also both not native North Carolinians, North Carolinians. That's true. I never we're, thought about that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm from Ohio and you're from Florida. So mm-hmm. we're a bunch of transplants to so the locals. The locals immediately clock me. Like um I remember one encounter recently where uh, I I mispronounced the county that I was in. I said I said Iridel, and someone's like, Iridel, don't you mean Iredell? Like, like as if I like insulted their parents or something. Like, it's I love bad. when that happens. Yeah. Well, I I don't know how it is for you, just considering that you live in a more like, I guess I guess where you live, it's more transplanty than me. Well, actually, that's not true because Charlotte's mm. trans Charlotte's transplanty as hell. I learned. It, uh, you go. Oh, it it used to be a lot less so than it is now. Now it's like insane and there's barely anybody that's been here longer than 10 years yeah but all, I, when i first all... moved here it was like it was like complete culture shock just mm-hmm. just moving between states yeah i don't know if this is true for you but everyone here is from new york like not new york city yeah. but they're from new york like my mm-hmm. bot my manager is from new york i have a co-worker from upstate new york new york i have another co-worker from new jersey like yeah. it's i yeah there's so many new jersey license plates here now like and that's like a new thing since covid i think you know up there it was just restrictions were worse so a lot of people kind of came down i think yeah it's so weird i mean i i don't know for me like north carolina was not a big change like you know the <laughs> charlotte like the sort of this sort of charlotte like north charlotte exterior sur- suburb whatever sort of thing is very cincinnati to me where where i'm from mm-hmm. so it's like it wasn't too much of a drast- drastic change but i will say you know going from the occasional kentucky and saying y'all to now where everyone like a good chunk of people are like that it's definitely eye-opening you know there's you know <laughs> i think you and i know exactly the sort of interesting experience of going down to the the, the infamous woodshed bar uh, oh, yeah. In Charlotte, you know, there's the uh, certain, there's that group of down low black guys who always just are in that one corner of the bar, ready yep. to 
ready to make a show such oh, as yeah. with, with our last visit <laughs> where we went yeah, for, for karaoke night yeah. yeah we karaoke night and every black guy down there was like this is my moment to shine and i'm gonna sing every slow ballad from the 90s <laughs> and i remember how it literally made you and i like literally want to fall asleep like yeah. it i i but i will say as an as a recent a recent uh, movie whatever uh per transplant i do love it here i i really do love north carolina it's a fun little state you know mm-hmm. not asheville despite it being a libtard haven you can't beat asheville i think it's you such can. A, it's a very beautiful city yeah and, and i know you've had personal experience being in asheville so you can you know exactly what i'm talking about if people don't know what asheville is uh, yeah. your state your part your state probably has its own Asheville you just don't know it yet like uh-huh. the, t- the town that loves craft brewing the town that loves nature the town that loves like that sort of hippie aesthetic to it all it's just you know Asheville's in the mount in the uh Appalachian mountains and uh yeah I mean I've only seen the west part of the state I know you're in the more central part so uh I think we both had to explore the East coast at some point, you know, go to Wilmington where all mm-hmm. those were like blue velvet I've, was filmed. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I, for my birthday, was it last year or two years ago? I, I went to Wilmington and, and I went to all the locations I could find for, for blue velvet. And that was I'm, really cool. I'm, I'm really jealous about that fact. I really, <laughs> I, re- I really am jealous about that. Uh, I know like a uh, Cape fear was filmed there too. So, I mean, I think everyone is welcome here to North Carolina. I think you and I could probably show them a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I will say Charlotte is definitely a pretty cool city. You know, welcome to Charlotte, the Queen City. Very fitting name, I think. Uh, <laughs> but I don't think we will die. We will focus on North Carolina for a bit. But I want to ask you specifically. So I want to know your game history. That's sort of a recurring thing I ask everyone on the show: is what is their sort of history with gaming whether you know where you started what games you love what are you playing now so tell me what is the bayou lore (laughs) so i have a really kind of funny story Mm -hmm. in that like when i was growing up my parents were very kind of restrictive on games Uh just because my parents were very religious so it was sort of like i i was allowed to play like games that were based on like tv shows or things that they recognized Uh and that was about it so I had like a bunch of SpongeBob video games. <laughs> I had a bunch of I had a video game for for the like The Incredibles. And, oh my like, god! Yeah, That's... and so like for years, like the only thing I would associate video games with was that kind of stuff. Yeah, the movie the movie tie in game, which yes. also, the movie tie in <laughs> game is basically dead right now. Like yeah. you don't you don't you don't That's see so ma- true. You don't see many of them like. Obviously, you mentioned like the SpongeBob stuff. Like, I, I even have one of them, the Battle for Bikini Bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have that one. That's there's, the best one. Which got remade recently or remastered, whatever you want to call it. That was recently redone uh, because everyone loves that one. There was, I remember also being a kid and I remember seeing commercials for. Uh, the Peter Jackson King Kong movie, and there was a game at adaptation of it. Um, and it actually when did people, that came out? Two thousand five, because it was I on think, the. I think my dad had that game actually. 
Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, I, and that's apparently, I think, considered one of the better ones because it's more or less a Call of Duty game. Like, but instead, you have King Kong, and you're like traveling the jungle. It's it's fascinating. Uh, you know, most most of the time, mov
Sapphire, mm -hmm. which was basically Emerald before Emerald. Emerald had yeah, all the add-ons and extras and stuff. Uh, I, I I still have. I think I still have my copy of Sapphire in my little token box from second grade uh, that I'm looking at down on the floor. <laughs> But I'm pretty but, sure I can't remember what Pokemon game it was. <laughs> one of them I traded for the Incredibles game that I got <laughs> that I was talking about. One of them I traded for that in like kindergarten or something, and that's how I got that game. You're you're making some money moves on the on the playground. Uh-huh. <laughs> but whoever who got that one obviously won, but <laughs> I don't know. Hey, you know. You know, you the prize is in the eyes of the beholder, or something like that. So, hey, yeah. if you had fun with your Incredibles game, then who, <laughs> who's who's to say you lost the trade? I like last year, like tried to play that game again because I found it, oh. and it was like you know, obviously ten times easier than I thought it was as a kid. So yeah, <laughs> I that that's I feel like most kids' games of that ilk were yeah. They seemed like the hardest, most impossible thing, but it's actually like, yeah, they were made for a little kid. <laughs> yeah, literally made for babies. <laughs> so we go from Pokemon and now where do we go to? Do you? So then it was like for a while, it was like I never really bought any games. It was sort of just like whenever I went over to my friend's place or whatever, but I never was like allowed to have those kind of things. Mm hmm. And it was never, like, any super artsy kind of games, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, from my understanding at the time, like, I didn't really see video games as, like, a real art form. Yeah. Because it was sort of just Call of Duty, not even really Halo, just those kind of, like, you know, realistic kind of shooter games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I'm assuming this was probably early 2010s for you. Uh -huh. And so by this point, Halo had gone to the wayside and call of duty had taken over the world which is yeah which was true for me because my my one of my older brothers was a halo he was there from the first halo like he was a halo fanatic and if you tried to tell him to play any other game he would say it sucks compared to halo uh but for me i got introduced with the call of duty game so like if it wasn't a realistic war shooter to my you know goblin 14 year old brain i was like this sucks like get it out of here <laughs> like I, I i was fondly remembering or uh, yeah remembering about the battlefield series because i i single-handedly convinced a small group small amount of my friends to actually get into battlefield 3 so i was just having like nostalgia for battlefield 3 and 4 like mm -hmm. how i I convinced like a few guys that I was friends with to just get into Battlefield just so we could squad up and we could because it was the perfect game for like an early high school kid because it involved destroying buildings and being in, being a military soldier. That was like and you could drive tanks and fly helicopters. So it's like the perfect game for a 15-year-old. Yeah. But it was like, I never really got those games. I think I was just too gay-brained to really kind of like, to get it. You, could, you couldn't, you didn't want to like pretend to like it. Be like, wow, I love, I love this gun. It's so cool. <laughs> I would try to. I would seriously try to do that. But like, outside of when I was playing with my friends, it was like, I had no interest in video games. Really. <laughs>
but, for a long time. But I, I specifically know, because you have talked to me about this, mm -hmm. uh, you have a very fond uh, affinity for the Soulsborne games. All those Dark Souls, Bloodborne, mm -hmm. all the FromSoft games, which I think, yeah. I think is everyone has like a fondness for them. At least every guy I know has played at least mm -hmm. one Dark Souls <laughs> games in their life. At this point, yeah. It, and it's funny... Because I, I was like thinking about this, you know, because I, you know, talking about gaming history, and I knew I wanted to ask about your experience with Soulsborne games. It's because I remember when Demon Souls came onto the scene. Like I remember, wow, yeah, I remember being on GameTrailers.com, and I remember how there was how this new game called Demon Souls was very popular, it had a niche fan base. It was very popular and it was known for its brutal difficulty. Like, <laughs> and suddenly just that concept alone single handedly started arguably one of the biggest, not necessarily franchises, but like catapulting a developer to being a superstar. Like, yeah. FromSoft was more or less known as like kind of a middle tier developer. Like, they, they were big with Armored Core, like the mm -hmm. their mecha games, but they were never really. They're not the they were not the developer that we now know they are, where they put out a game and 30, 30 plus million people are playing it and it is the biggest thing of twenty twenty two sort of thing. Yeah. But I remember like Demon Souls coming out, I remember Dark Souls coming out, wow. I remember I remember Bloodborne coming out, like and being there when it, it came out. And I was in freshman year of college. I no freshman, sophomore, one of those two. I think it was 2015 so that was freshman year actually i remember mm -hmm. i think that was my introduction to the series this the whole franchise and i remember getting to the father gascoin is it father gascoin the one guy uh, who turns the, the, the werewolf yeah the werewolf boss and i remember yes I remember, that's father gascoin yeah, oh so good i remember facing him and i got my ass beat like five ten times <laughs> in a row i was like well, who plays this shit <laughs> like <laughs> but like I feel like because I think most people can agree that that grind in of itself is worth it, <laughs> worth it in the end to just get your ass kicked several times, like not maybe not even several dozens of times uh, yeah, in order in order to beat one boss. And Gascoin is not even like the biggest boss. Like, like even before you face him, there's the Eldric Beast or whatever on that, yeah. like on that bridgeway. And that's arguably even more like epic in the sort of you know in the broad sense of things so i i remember just playing it and i was like well, i i i guess i never at the time did not understand like how bloodborne be became the ps4 game like uh everyone owned it and some people only owned it like there's those famous no no that's literally why i bought my ps4 because I played I played the other Dark Souls games on like on PC, mm -hmm. and then Bloodborne's you know infamously only on PS4. PS4. So I had to get a PS4. I was like I have to play this game, and it's still I think it's my favorite game, just yeah. because it's yeah. so the world is just so encompassing. Yeah, it's the most stylistic of all those of all the ones. Not to say like the other ones are like lacking style. It's just like you combine that Victorian. Lovecraft, eldritch horror aesthetic 
with the sort of Dark Souls combat and it's like, you know, it's like the Reese's Cup being made sort of thing. <laughs> but I, it's amazing how it's amazing how like that that sort of idea of a game just being ball-bustingly difficult but fair became uh-huh. a selling point because so many games nowadays are like about getting the biggest market possible meanwhile FromSoft makes their games the most I wouldn't say I hate to say the word gatekeeping but like they view their games very much like the right people will come to our games to play them sort of thing and Mm -hmm. those right people will then talk to their friends about the game and then those people will buy the game and then more people and that's like a snowball effect I mean, I, I mean, you look at Elden Ring this year, it's like the biggest, it's the biggest game of the year in terms of sales. It's like almost like, I think it's like, or almost 40 million copies sold, which is insane to me. Like, usually that's only reserved for like a a major Nintendo property, a Call of Duty or a massive Sony IP. I mean, I know, I know people that like, the only games they play are like Call of Duty, Grand Theft Auto, those kind of things. And they have Elden Ring and they love it. it and it's just it, so weird to have like a game like that that I can connect on, you it, know? Yeah, especially especially game, you know, because game, I guess, the, I guess this can segue into the first half of this episode, which is sort of the modern game question. Um, mm-hmm. And when I say modern game question, I more or less mean eighth gen to today, PS4 generation to today. And you look at this landscape of games and it's so, we were talking beforehand, but it's like two schools of thought sort of thing where you have the East and the West, Japan and America slash Europe, where you really do see a clear divide between these two two parts of the world and how they want their games to be played or what sort of games they make. I mean, to go off Elden Ring, most recently the new God of War came out and it looks good. I will say that, but like I was telling you this beforehand and I have posted this, like the game will literally explain to you how to solve things. It doesn't even like let you try to figure it out. It doesn't let you experiment. It doesn't even let you turn off the companion voices. It literally explains puzzles, explains how bosses are beat huh. in combat. Like a like after one failed attempt, it's like the game is afraid to let you get off the rails, so to say. It's if if the game were to give you any sort of experimentation, any sort of liberty to explore a concept. It's like it it buckles and it gets afraid and it's like, well, the experience gets ruined. And then you look at mm-hmm. something like Elden Ring or any of the FromSoft games, they encourage you to play with that game. Like really, mm-hmm. p- really just play with that game in a way that you really only see out of Japanese developers. And like FromSoft obviously is sort of like the gold nugget, the gold standard, I guess, in sort of this like, differing school of thought of game like you have from soft and you have sort of the imitators of that formula like immediate i don't know if you've ever heard of this game called neo um 
it is made by a Japanese developer. It plays it's a Dark Souls clone, uh, mm-hmm. and it it comes from developers of the Ninja Gaiden series, which is a known for difficulty and brutal combat. And the game is set. You play as the one of the first uh, American or the White Samurais. Like it's it's completely you know fantasy and all that stuff, but it's like mm-hmm. you're playing as like the first White Samurais. He's facing against demons and onis, in mm-hmm. like the game is like even more difficult than dark souls. And then you look at like the West where it's like, it's so different. Like I look at every like Sony IP and they all like, are like mostly the same, you know, there's only like yeah. a few handfuls of differing. I don't know. It's so fascinating to see like just the school of thought, like they are, it's like two different worlds and you seeing like this competition or like a crossroads as it were, like, the modern game landscape landscape is more it's less diverse if i were to use that term it's less diverse because you don't have like as many big ips of differing genres it's like mm-hmm. you have your open world and your linear like you're not going to get anything open world or third open world or linear third person adventure game like those are what sells the tickets outside of shooters, but like mm-hmm. the West makes shooters, the Japanese really don't. The Japanese make role playing games that are very linear. The West makes open world RPGs. Like, so I don't know if you had anything to talk about this. It's a very broad topic, I will yeah. admit. Like, I don't like. I guess you know, speaking from you as a FromSoft yeah. enjoyer, I don't know if you wanted to weigh in on this sort of question, as it were. Yeah, what I was gonna say is, I was kind of just thinking about this now, and I never really thought about it before. That like, because of like my background with gaming, you know, and getting into it from Dark Souls, you know, I have a very different sort of like origin with gaming than a lot of other people. You know, but mm-hmm. like, what got me into it was the fact that it was so challenging. But that it was also like forcing myself to get through it because of the art, you know, the artistic merit behind the game, you Mm -hmm. know, that there was something that like stuck with me about the game itself that made me want to keep going, even though it was so hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's like other other people get into games like with almost like the complete opposite intention. It's like they want everything handed to them, Mm -hmm. you know, and that the game is more about. Like, an experience like yeah like i guess you know that mentions like i guess you know life is strange which is what we're talking about kind of fits in that mold and i i will say like the western game approach like one thing that i always appreciate at least at the bare minimum about a western experience is that they go out of their way to deliver a world in a sense like a Western mm-hmm. game's world is different from a Japanese world, I think. Like, you know, you look at, like, Life is Strange, you know, briefly. I don't want to get too much into it right now. But it's like, and Life is Strange is made by European developers. And they go for a more intimate, sort of drawn from reality experience. You know, I feel like a lot of Western games, they kind of root themselves in reality at the core. Mm-hmm whether it be the locations are a real city or they're a location or like a real concept or idea. I think that 
that's something that Western games always strive for. Like another example from another European studio, another French studio is Ubisoft. Ubisoft, a lot of their games are all, almost all of their games are set in a real location or they involve real world elements like the Rainbow Six series is centered all around realism and real special ops or locations, what have you. Or the Watchdog series are all like set in Chicago and London and San Francisco. Like they're all about nailing a location, a belie- a believable like digital world. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, like a Japanese game is more about sort of a broad, maybe kind of fantastical location that envelops you, I guess. Like it- it's such a unique. Western games are so different nowadays. Like they, they more or less want to sort of get you into trying to put the right words to this. Cause I'm, and I'm trying to think of like how life is strange, you know, connected with this. It's like, it's not about like mechanical complexity or having the most in-depth combat system. It's about like fitting how can we get as many people interested in this location or this setting or concept? Mm -hmm. So, you know, with life is strange, it's about high schoolers like, or uh, I'm trying to think of another, like grand theft auto is based on a real life city, you know, with real people sort of satirizing American life sort of thing. Uh, Or like red dead redemption is based on like America, the American, the end of the American West and the Cowboys recognizable iconography. You know, meanwhile, if you give a Japanese developer a cowboy game, they're probably going to make it like fighting like some sort of spiritual like monsters. (laughs) You can do backflips and like shoot off like Mm -hmm. a 12 gauge revolver or some shit like that. Like Mm -hmm. it, you could, I'm trying to think of like, like, uh, have you ever played Ghost of Tsushima, that PS4 game? Yeah, game? yeah. Like when a Western studio, because it's made by Sucker Punch, uh, when you yeah. give, when you give them a samurai game, they are almost like trying to emulate everything about a samurai. And but it was like you, the, it was just like that came out right after Sekiro too. Is the thing? Yeah, and it was it, sort of yeah. like it, they were just great to contrast each other. Yeah, like they literally came out a year apart. And Sekiro being a FromSoft game, Sekiro as a samurai game, you are fighting mythical demons and beasts and all sorts of things as your character like has a grappling heart grapple hook <laughs> and like it's so, like you just you can look there's so many different white examples of like mm-hmm. a West the Japanese and Western developers in the modern sense because I feel like you know, 20 or so years ago, you didn't, there wasn't like such a clear divide between the games from anywhere. Like you would get like, obviously there'd be distinctions. Like a JRPG was a little different from a Western RPG, but they all kind of made, they call, they all kind of like mesh together sort of thing. But now mm-hmm. if I'm talking about a Western RPG, I think Skyrim. But if I think of a JRPG, I think of like Final Fantasy, <laughs> an, old, an old Final Fantasy, like the newer Final Fantasies that are trying to get everyone on board. And so it's like action mm-hmm. combat. Or if I think of like a third person shooter, 
in America, I think of The Last of Us 2, which is extremely grounded and very realistic to the point of it looking like a live leak video. But then you look at something like, uh, like in Japan, there's Vanquish. I don't know if you've heard of Vanquish. It's a, it's no, a game. It's a, it's a third person shooter game in set in the in like a, a sci-fi setting where you are in a cybernetic suit that lets you slow down time, do uh, slides against the ground, backflips, and all sorts of things. Like it's. <laughs> the east and the west are so different with games and i feel like i guess you know for me as the consumer and i'm sure you know you as the consumer too or the listeners you can get a unique experience from all across the world i mean mm-hmm. i could get a euro jank game like cyberpunk 2077 and i can still <laughs> have some pretty good fun i can get elden ring and have a you know a ball of a time getting lost in george R. R. martin uh, fantasy world sort of thing or I could get something like uh, Last of Us 2 and be uh, horrified by the visceral realistic blood and guts being sprayed across my screen uh, sort of thing and I guess you know it's so I don't know if you have anything sort of to add on to this you know because I know, obviously, you're, as we said before, your wheelhouse is in the FromSoft. So I don't know if you've ever played some of the more what modern Western games. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've I played, mean... I was really into Red Dead Redemption 2 when that came out. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, but, I mean, you go, oh, sorry. Say... Yeah, oh. you go, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say that, like, yeah, I agree with you that it's sort of like there's different pluses and different minuses, you know, to, to each way to make it you know each way to make a game mm-hmm. but it's sort of is like a lot of the times when the west tries to make a game so realistic they sort of lose track of like the artistic sort of mm-hmm. impulse to the, to make a game and mm-hmm. so much of it sometimes just becomes based on you know market research and everything that it just kind of loses like heart after a while yeah you do see that a lot i mean gaming as it is nowadays is making more money than other industries mm-hmm. and it's all about i mean they're trying to make games to get everyone sold which is why a lot of games from the west specifically all sort of look the same they all mm-hmm. play the same they all have the sort of same mechanics you know everyone jokes about like the first party Sony games on the PS4 are third person open world games with crafting and playing, (laughs) uh, playing with some like nondescript person that like no one cares about. Like, and it's like semi dramatic, like Mm -hmm. you have the, the, my mortal enemy, the horizon games, uh, you have like, uh, what? Oh my God. I can't remember that game days gone. That game is like the most mid experience I've ever seen. It's like a post-apocalyptic zombie world where you're like a biker. Mm. Uh, that's all I could tell you. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it's realistic and has great graphics. Like, that's all mm-hmm. I can tell you. Like, it's weird. Even like some of Sony's more out there, like more fantastical things, like the Spider-Man games they do. They're still open-world third-person action games with yeah. like. Uh, the only thing that they have sort of to their name is the fact that sometimes they do a linear game like 
The Last of Us or Uncharted or the new rat like the Ratchet and Clank re- reboot sort of project they're doing. Like I I I miss when developers could experiment with sort of different mm-hmm. different um what's the word here? Different genres. Like I feel like at the beginning of the PS4 generation even though it was a messy one and not the greatest transition there was still at least variety like i guess to go off let the life is strange you know sort of uh topic of tonight like you saw a lot of these sort of interactive choice driven games that were coming out like the telltale there were so many telltale games that were just coming out and seemingly tons of people were into them but it's not like that was the driving main seller. You still had like Grand Theft Autos. You still had shooters coming out. You still had, uh, you still had, like action games coming out, racing game. Like there was much more variety in what you could get. But I feel like nowadays it's like everything is sort of homogenized into sort of a gloopy, mm-hmm. soupy, yeah, thing. That like when something like an Elden Ring comes around, which, you know, it's still like an open world game. It still captivates so many people that like they get into it and become fans and want stuff like that. But you still see like the market research says otherwise sort of thing, you know? Yeah, what I was thinking about is like, you know, you were talking about how Life is Strange also tries to do that. Especially, you know, in the, like, first episode, in the earlier parts of the game, you know, it tries to sort of appeal to everyone. Yeah. But I think that, like, what makes, I guess, European games sometimes interesting, especially, like, you know, something like Life is Strange, is that they're trying to do it based on America, you know? Yeah. And they don't quite get it right. (laughs) (laughs) So there's kind of some, like, expressionist elements to it, just because they're trying to, like explain their own understanding of america that isn't quite the real thing yeah it's i will say i do love when other cultures try to do america because sometimes it's it's kind of it's truly wonderful like obviously like resident evil which i love with my with all my heart when a japanese when japanese developers try to do a george romero zombie experience it becomes a bumbling little mess of like american (laughs) iconography and like yeah just a a jumbled little mess of american iconography that they find all so cool and interesting Mm -hmm. that it becomes so it becomes such a little mess that you're just like this is adorable like i you know obviously resident evil has the bad voice acting or something bad voice acting it thinks it's the greatest action movie whatever you're whatever but on the same hand, you get Silent Hill out of the Japanese mm-hmm. when they're doing American Niger, Amer- trying to do America through the lens of a horror experience. Uh, I mean, you also, you know, the Europeans also, European games, while they're not as big as like America or Japan, like even back in the day, uh, even till recently, like when a, when the Europeans tried to envision a product or a game it's also very charming and interesting Mm -hmm. like obviously like last week 
with Alex, I was talking about heavy rain and the director of heavy rain was so shocked by the amount of homeless in Philadelphia at like, you get what heavy rain city is like. It's proto Philadelphia and <laughs> the French view Philadelphia as rain soaked industrial rotting in decay, uh -huh. full of depression and sadness and death. And that's like, that's what he envisions. It's not too far off real, but it's like, it's so mm -hmm. nondescript and vague that it's just like, I don't know a town like that, but I do know it deep down a town like that sort of thing. It, it hits at like a more spiritual thing than just like, than just like having a photorealistic city that you just walk around in. Like yeah. Yeah. it, it just, it, I don't know how to explain it exactly. It's like more real than real, you know? Yeah. Like as you know, as games nowadays get more and more graphically, you know, the, the fidelity and the visuals get higher and higher and them the more true to life we can make it like a virtual space sort of thing. Like the magic kind of wears off faster, like instead of something kind of based in reality sort of thing, like, like I'll, if I'm going to use like another European example, I think of the wipeout series. If you've ever heard of that, um, mm -hmm. it's based on like more or less, it's based off like F1 sort of, racing american sort of thing but you put like european dance music with european <laughs> sort of like design language and you put it in the future it becomes captivating and you know in many ways genre or generation defining in terms of a console experience a game a genre experience you know putting some level of realism in believability but like it's not really real sort of thing like adds to the experience in a way that i think most western developers don't they they either don't strive for or they sort of just get caught in the mess i guess you could say um but yeah i mean ps4 generation is such a wonderful a bizarre little mess of a generation <laughs> to say mm -hmm. the least i i've i i have a lot of ps4 games you know that i own there's a lot of great games on there that i i do love like but then like a lot of the, a lot of the games i own are like remasters of older games like mm -hmm. hd remasters like one of my favorite games for ps4 is a remake of a ps2 game like <laughs> like uh, another one is a remake of a beloved PS1 RPG. I have, I think, five remasters of Resident Evils on my PS4. <laughs> like, I think it, the PS4, it it's it's emblematic of the time period that it existed in, mm -hmm. and also still exists because they're still making games for it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I look at that italicized black little rectangle and I'm just like, you could have been better. You know that, right? Like my, it's like a troubled child of mine. It's like, <laughs> I don't, I don't proudly display my PS4. It is sitting in my closet gathering dust oh. you know, because I have my, <laughs> because I have a PS5. <laughs> like, okay. Okay. That's fair. I, I can still, you know, use all of its little games, but like, 
I'm never going to I'm never going to be like, wow, you surely were a great little system, weren't you, little PS4? Like you were a bizarre little like re like uh system that was trying to be so much bigger than it is. But you know, that's I guess it's 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 funny from my perspective cuz you know, I've heard you talk about the PS3 and I was just not at, you know, there for the PS3. <laughs> Yeah, I, and so I wonder, like I wonder if that's just because like, you're a little sorry, sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say everything that you feel about the PS4 or the PS3 is like kind of how I felt when I got into the PS4, you know. But that's just because that was the system that I got, you know, into it with. So what year did you get it? Uh, I I forgot what what year did you get your four? I think 2016, 2017, somewhere okay. around there. I I do wonder if that's because you're. A little bit younger than me i wonder if that's just you know when when everyone kind of gets into gaming like a, you know mm-hmm. i feel like when you're when you're a guy uh of straight or a gay gay man there is like a period in your teens where you suddenly get uh into games quote unquote mm-hmm. seriously like <laughs> it goes it goes mm-hmm. from the toy to your one of your big entertainment sort of things yeah and you got into it in 2016 so i was like in i was midway through college then so by that point i was trying to be like quote unquote mr i know i know about better games than call of duty <laughs> a college friend you don't know what real games are being like a pretentious little snob akin, akin to max caulfield um <laughs> It's it's interesting. It's interesting to hear from someone younger than me because I always hear because a lot of most of the guests who have been on the show have been older than me. Like they're mm-hmm. like one of the I ha- I've had experiences with people who've played on the NES or the Super Nintendo or like the PlayStation One. Yeah. Like that was sort of their moment in gaming, as it were. And then they they look kind of negatively on newer generations. And I tend to agree, but it's, you know, I think it's, I think it's, you know, part of the show is to find the little gems, even from the newer generation, because Mm -hmm. there are experiences that people kind of neglect or they kind of shun because they don't understand, maybe they just don't understand it or just gamers are kind of uh, cavemen deep down and, when they see something presented to them, they just, uh, they need, they need, they need, they, they need two gay men to tell them what's actually good. Um, yeah. Needs the homosexual touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Very I think. Very much like the game we're trying to talk oh, about yeah. tonight. Oh yeah. Speaking of which, that's a great segue. We're going to, the tonight, the topic of tonight is the, uh, much beloved in some circles, very maligned <laughs> in other, uh, life is strange.
hypothetical question that I was thinking about today. Do you think Max and Max and Chloe would be discount Dasha's? Mm. Because discount Dasha's are kind of a theme as of right now. Because uh, <laughs> you're not on Twitter right now, you're taking a little a little break uh, because uh, discount Dasha keep losing uh, as they always do. So I'm wondering, you know, would would <laughs> would Max and Chloe be Red Scare listeners? <laughs> I I don't know. I Victor feel like I feel Victoria, Victoria. would be. This is who I would think it would be. <laughs> I love, I love, we knew exactly that Victoria would be a red scare girl. <laughs> I think okay, I think that uh Max would hear it from Victoria, mm -hmm. but she would assume like, oh, that's just what a popular girl's like sort of thing. And she'd be like, eh, I'm not gonna care about that. I'm gonna listen to Chapel. <laughs> 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 it's she dresses uh, like a girl that would listen to chapo oh my god her i keep whenever i see max i think of like a mushroom <laughs> like i don't know if that's just like the art style or just like they had no budget sort of thing but man like max look like because chloe has a lot of work put on her design mm -hmm. but like mm -hmm. max looks like a fuck like a little frump like But like we all knew people in high school that looked like that. That like literally just looked like little frumps. <laughs> oh my god! Like, I guess. Uh, I guess we we'll, we can get into the topic, which is life is strange. The so life is strange was it is a one singular game, but when it came out, much like other games of its ilk, which you know, being a interactive. movie well not maybe movie slash soap opera tv show experience a la heavy rain from last week it came out in 2015 uh for basically every system at the time uh but it came out in episodes across 2015 with the first episode coming out in J january 30 of 2015 and the final episode coming out on october 20th 2015 it is made by uh much like last week, a French developer, uh, Don't Nod Entertainment, uh, who are known for the uh, unfortunate uh, game name Remember Me, uh, the game that no one remembers. Uh, <laughs> but they're also known, I get, and they're not really known for any, because Remember Me was like their first big game, and again, no one played it. Uh, but then Life is Strange was their next one. But as of recently, they've They really haven't been known for a lot. I mean, namely the Life is Strange series. Uh, they made a sequel to it. I mean, there's a bunch of Life is, Life is Strange entities, as it were. Mm -hmm. They made a sequel called Life is Strange 2. There's the prequel game Before the Storm. Uh, I I don't think they made that, but it's set. It's a prequel to the main game. There's also Life is Strange, True Colors that involves some nondescript uh, POC girl where her superpower is she can feel empathy. Um, that That is something okay. Um, but specifically Life is Strange, uh, it plays much like how last week uh, Heavy Rain where you ha it is choice driven. It is interactive where you sort of interact with your objects, you interact with different characters in the town of Arcadia Bay, Oregon, a 
not real location, but uh, loosely based off any town in the state of Oregon. Uh, and you play as a, how would I describe her? Uh, I guess Frump, uh, Max Caulfield, as she navigates her uh, life as a high schooler at a art a boarding school um, where she is sort of maligned and bullied uh, for her uh, arguably retarded selfie projects. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, that, yeah, that was one thing that I just thought was so funny is that, like, at the beginning of the game, the like, you just kind of feel like you're supposed to take it seriously that she's just like a misunderstood artist or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, they all the characters in the beginning of the game all kind of go along with her, like, her art project, which is, is taking selfies with her Polaroid camera. Like, <laughs> it it's almost so on the nose of, like, that period of, like, art kid. You know, specifically the Tumblr sort of art kid that, again, we all, like... Your age, my age, anyone probably up to thirty would know that kid in mm -hmm. like high school. But you know, you you go about your day in you know at uh, at art school, uh, and suddenly the sort of in, inciting incident is when you're in the bathroom and you run, and one of the kids, Nathan, is. Uh, talking to himself and a blue haired girl walks in and she confronts him and he shoots her accidentally in the bathroom and suddenly you Max Caulfield discover that you have the power to rewind time and control act, control how things are going so uh, from there you, re you rewind time basically to stop this kid Nathan from killing the blue haired girl Chloe and so the game kind of goes from there as you follow your sort of, and, you know, Chloe also is your friend from five years ago that you haven't talked to. So like the game basically goes from there where you are making choices along the way uh, with your friend as she's trying to find her long lost friend. Uh, why am I blanking on the girl's name? Right. Is Rach, uh, her. Are you talking about? Oh, Wait, Chloe's friend. Oh, Rachel Amber. Yeah, Rachel. So, more yeah. or less, you kind of tag along with Chloe to find her missing friend, Rachel, and mm -hmm. sort the go the game goes from there. And as you progress through the story, you sort of learn and realize that you're starting to see consequences manifest in in the town, and you suddenly realize that there is a storm coming. A giant tornado will destroy the town, but you know that's kind of explained later on. So I, you know, when I thought about doing this episode, uh, I wanted, I remember talking with you, Bayou, about mm -hmm. how, what French game can I make Bayou, the resident <laughs> expert on France? I was like, what game, <laughs> what, what game can I make him play? And so I was like, life is strange. So I want to <laughs> hear what is your experience with life is strange and what do you think about life is strange? So, I mean, I've, I've known about this game for a very long time. Um, I figured out that I played up, I think, to episode three when it came out. And I can't remember if I played it on my own or with a friend, but I think it was probably with one of my friends because I was a Tumblr kid at the time. And all <laughs> of my friends were on Tumblr, so this was a game marketed towards us. <laughs> so, of course, we were all over this game. 
yeah it you had it, it's a case of you had to be there to understand why it was so big like this game had mil like mm-hmm. this game was extremely popular like i remember seeing a friend of mine in college and she was playing it i was like what the hell is this game and she's like oh yeah it's life is strange it's like a choose your own adventure i was like okay i'm gonna like kind of tag along with you and learn about this game and to be honest like i was in i was engaged with this game i was like this is fun it's kind of goofy it's kind of retarded in places like it's yeah uh, it it's it's all over the place it's to say i mean The first thing I noticed was the slang like that the characters Mm -hmm. have is of this world bizarre like Victor like the the popular girl saying go fuck your selfie Uh, uh, Max telling Chloe it's like yeah mosh pit shaka bra I was like oh that's cringe oh like it made me shudder I was like Mm -hmm. this is a it, it, it on the surface it felt like a bunch of like 30 year old guys were just like what are teenage what are teenagers talking teenage like? girl saying like, yeah <laughs> okay but like oh and i guess to talk i guess briefly about it because you can't talk about life is strange without talking about the backlash that it got from yeah. the quote gamers as you will because this game came out came out around gamergate uh and so so happens that a game like life is strange comes out with one of the main characters being a blue haired girl and it is all about a their like lesbian relationship in high school and it's like like the blue haired girl is saying every like kind of like of the time liberalism take that you can imagine like of course it was going to be derided and this game has been mm-hmm kicked to the curb like a trash can by everyone you know yeah i i mean before we started playing this again and i sort of slowly got into it you know i was another i was one of those people Mm -hmm. you know i i I really liked it when it came out but then you know i quickly was like no this is cringe this is something from my childhood that i that's (laughs) best left there you know that kind of thing lock away my liberal thoughts i can't have (laughs) exactly yeah but like and here's the thing like i also had that period it's like this piece of shit game i like at first i liked it then i was like oh my god this is a cringe ass piece of shit game it's horribly written or whatever mm-hmm. but much like heavy rain i don't think gamers understand a game that comes from oh. a more emotional core mm-hmm. because a life is strange you know on the surface like from the first episode or two it presents itself more like a high school melodrama where it's like you are max you are this like bizarre looking kid with like a a bowl cut and you take polaroid pictures and you want to be an artistic kid with your selfies and it's like okay like this is going to be interesting like and you're dealing with you know the popular kids like victoria and then you have the sort of religious sad girl kate you have the hit uh the proto incel nerdy kid who has a crush on you and and Warren. You have mm-hmm. the rich the rich bully kid and Nathan. It's like on surface it comes off as like a okay, this is like bully the game bully, but for girls. But I think the brilliance of it is that 
And I think it really does come from the fact that you had to be like our age when in 2015, like you had to be like between the ages of like 16 to 25 where you, where you were on Tumblr and you were a part of that aesthetic. You were a part of like, I'm the arty kid that no one understands. I wish people would just listen to my uh, Sid Matters music on on your <laughs> on your like MP3 player and would understand your, my own art projects. Like when you're younger and you were of that period, like that, like that's how it gets you in. Like, mm-hmm. and I think even nowadays, like you and I are in our mid late, mid late twenties we can sort of get in from the, we can kind of get in with the sort of nostalgic high school experience. Like, yeah. And it really does capture that sort of cringe period because as much as we would like to deny about life is strange, we mm-hmm. were the cringe, the cringy kids saying like yeah. dumb, dumb retarded lingo. That was like, uh, I mean, like obviously like the LOLs and OMGs, like saying mm-hmm. that I remember kids in my high school were like saying those abbreviations out loud yeah yeah like the one that that i was telling you about today that was just amazing was when uh uh mr jefferson says that's a that's a first world problem oh and that immediately triggered something in my brain that i had totally forgot ever existed was people saying first world problems about everything it oh my god it's the game really does come from that proto-liberal agenda period mm-hmm. of the 2010s where it's like it 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 is like baby's first liberal agenda project but it <laughs> it, it it had not gotten the sort of latter lib patch notes like you know me and you were talking we were texting beforehand about Mr. Jefferson if Mr. Jefferson was written today he would have some sort of vague Trump quotes thrown in mm-hmm. to be presented as like a racist or a sexist or whatever, or like the first world problem thing. I I texted you if Mr. Jefferson said that quote today, you'd be like, well, Max, uh, your nosebleed uh, is, is a first world problem. Have you considered about the BIPOCs in this state, in this country and how they have to go through oppression? Like it would be something like that. Like, yeah, like it was life- just more, it was more harmless. Like it, it was sort of annoying. Like the way like SJW types talked at the time and looked, it was annoying, but it wasn't like, mm-hmm. I don't know, actively like it didn't actively just make me feel pain. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was very, yeah, it was very harmless. Like, yeah, it was harmless. Like, and I mean, like, because it is such, it is first gen liberal agenda product. It, it allows things to seep through like it yeah exactly and it's, and it's and because it is sort of rooted in the reality of our experiences of high school like the sort of liminal areas of our lives uh mm-hmm. growing up like like i th- you know even though it's like such a simple location it's like you know the fact that this game has a location like the diner that mm-hmm. would not happen <laughs> like the diner being one of the big places like we all had mm-hmm. friend. We all had our location or the parking lot outside school. Like mm-hmm. it still feels believable and real, and yeah. it doesn't become. It doesn't. It's like a. It's not a manufactured, uh, manufactured product where it has to hit the check marks sort of thing. There's things in there that would just like not happen. We were talking about that one. That one teacher, the black teacher. If 
and how she like oh still God, has, I love her. Like, yeah, she still she, she has like the jive speak. Like she's like like if she was written today, she would have like a Lupita name and she would have a British accent and she would be the principal. She wouldn't just yeah, be so the, the yeah, the black there's a black science teacher and she just reminds me so much of teachers that I even had. But like her whole thing is that she wants you to sign a petition so that the school can't put security cameras in, which I just thought was funny for the first part, because it's like, why doesn't the school have security cameras in the first place? Like, <laughs> uh, do French schools not do that? Like, what's uh, the, you know? Uh, the, I guess they thought that, like, they they, they view American schools because they were just like, oh, the school shootings happen here. But, yeah. like, <laughs> this is a private art school, and so this mm-hmm. would not happen. Sort of, like, this yeah. is a, pri- a boarding school, so this would not happen. Mm-hmm. But we yeah. need to teach her. <laughs> a teacher looking up for sort of the kids sort of thing like uh-huh but then it's like you she asked you to sign this petition it's like if you sign the petition it's like to stop the school from putting the security cameras in but i made the decision to not sign the petition um because i wanted security cameras because this was after like the girl just was about to get shot you know yeah. Yeah. i'm like i want security cameras here that seems like <laughs> a good idea <laughs> but then for the entire rest of the game she chastises you for it. And like every single time I would walk up to her, she'd be like, you know, Max, this show would have been nice if you done some opposition. <laughs> like that's how she talks every, the entire game. But, yeah, exactly. It's, like you'll just randomly walk up to her and she's like, hey, Max, remember that petition? And you can't sign it as the thing. The game never lets you go back and sign it. So yeah. you're just stuck with that decision for the rest of the game. You can't rewind time. It's like what? <laughs> like it. But again, like this sort of game this game specifically like the later games i don't think have this sort of thing about them it's like the original life is strange still feels real it doesn't feel like a product of a party sort of thing like but and because of it because of this fact like i come i come to learn some really dumb little like baby's first liberal agenda introduction which I think mm-hmm. Chloe, Chloe kind of represents that. Like Chloe's yeah. bed, Chloe's bedroom is like she's got the like American flag and she's got like the anarchy symbols and she's you know she does drugs and uh, yeah. you know, uh, the iconic scene of yeah I believe in gun control I should own the guns <laughs> and the like and then the game like retroactively is like well you want to own the guns Chloe so they take you, take you to the junkyard and she's like waving the gun around and practicing and she shoots herself by accident. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I guess this is a, um, we'll get to it in a little bit, but this game loves to punish Chloe. Like mm-hmm. it, it feels very on the nose and it's like almost kind of like mocking this kind of girl, like mm-hmm. the know-it-all like liberal arts kid who's like a punk. And she's like, it's like, yeah we yeah this this character is annoying and you uh, like on one hand a chloe in real life would be annoying but at the same time the game actually makes you come to love a girl like chloe and yeah and i guess it's kind of like one of the big things that people that hate this game don't really know is that like most of the commentary they kind of make on it is the game itself kind of answers as you play it you know yeah like I, like as you progress through the different episodes, the game isn't the game starts to like show its hand as it were. Like obviously at the end of episode one, Max gets the vision of the tornado. 
and there's snow in the game takes place in I forget like they had a they have an out of season snow snow flurry and it's like okay some things are kind of hap weird are beginning to happen and then there's like scenes with Warren at the sunset he's like oh an eclipse shouldn't be happening right now like we're not supposed to get an eclipse for years like it's the game starts to like show its hand to you uh it starts to say like you know what you're doing rewinding time controlling choices and all that it's starting to in a way destroy the world as it were like the world is like you can't choose you can't have infinite choice or the ability mm -hmm. to undo your own choices the game is the world itself is like about to tear itself apart and destroy everything you, you know with that tornado and you know because you were replaying the game literally like almost right to when we started recording like you finished yeah, i like just a, finished like you yeah but like a an hour before we started recording yep. and i i i I adore like I would say from episode episodes four and five are like masterpiece. I think yeah, they're great. I, they're they're amazing. You know, and I and I love what I love about it about this game because it's centered around the mechanic of choice. You know, like last week I was talking with Alex. You know, having like the way in which Life is Strange handles choice. Is a little different from heavy rain where it's not sort of in the moment you you don't get to know everything life is strange you basically get a, a button that lets you undo a choice basically like if something bad happens you can rewind it but the game's whole plot its whole structure comments on the fact that like having the ability to undo something bad you can't do that. You can't. You can't be yeah. like, "Well, this something bad happened to me. I can just rewind time and get the right answer." You know, I think you know, life is strange. Is like, no, certain things need to happen in this world for things to go as they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. You know, Chloe is supposed to die. You know, you saved her in the bathroom, but she's supposed to die at some. At the game keeps trying to get Chloe to kill, like die, like yeah. It, you know, Mr. Jefferson in like episode, it's it's episode four, right? Where he when, kills yeah her. he shoots her yeah he like, kills her. Uh, yeah, there's like at least five times, I think at least five times where like part of the story is Chloe is supposed to die. No, so I mean, I guess we were gonna mention this later, but you know, just that a big part of this game is just torturing Chloe. Oh <laughs> the yeah, the game just loves to brutally torture her. There's like a part. There's a part where she's literally stuck on a train. Oh yeah. Track, and you have to figure out you have to get like a crowbar and then like move the train track so that it goes in another direction or something yeah. to stop her from getting hit by a train. And it mm -hmm. was like I just wanted to see what would happen. Mhm. Mm if you, you know, if you let her get hit by the train and right before she gets hit by the train, she puts out she just like unleashes this like horrifying scream. That like genuinely shocked me. It genuinely scared me. Like it was just a horrifying scream. Yeah, like this is the part of like life is strange. Like as everyone like loves to pinpoint this game as like it's liberal slop, or mm -hmm. like it is all this stuff. But it's like the developers are smarter than you think they are. They yeah. they they 
obviously Chloe is the point of, of subject of like punishment. Like they love mm-hmm. to punish this blue hair girl, which by the way, I, I mentioned to you this, I think like a month ago, it's clear as day that these developers were inspired by blue is the warmest color. Like, yeah. like a blue, a blue also hair. French. Blue hair yeah. The, yeah, exactly. Like it's a blue hair girl in a relationship with another girl. The blue hair girl is the older one. And Max is the uh, youngest looking 18 year old I've ever seen. <laughs> she literally looks 14. Like... Yeah, she, she looks like a child. <laughs> yeah. And, and and I would argue that Chloe's supposed to be like 21. Like not, yeah. like, she's supposed to be 19. And she looks like the the youngest or the oldest 19 mm-hmm. year old. Like <laughs> granted, yeah. Chloe, Chloe has seen some shit in her life. You know, her dad dying, her best friend dying, and, you know, Max leaving her for five years. I guess, you know, she's got some quote-unquote trauma or whatever you want to say. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's clear as day that they, I think, were trying to do something a little bit more controversial. But they they chickened out, I think, at the last second because they didn't want this game to have even more controversy, I guess you want to (laughs) say. Yeah. they they really do love to torture these girls in this game, you know, because the cast mm-hmm. is major. I would say majority women. They mm-hmm. love they love to just torment these girls. Literally like, every single one of the main female characters at some point is brutally tortured in some way. Brutally tortured or dies. Murdered like, or dies I mean, some way. Like like there's the character Kate and one the it's episode one. Two. Is it are you two? It's episode two. two. Yeah, episode two, one of the, the main sort of plot thing that happens in it is Kate, the sort of mopey, shy, very much looks looks like she's on the verge of crying uh, at every second girl. She's on the roof of the school and she's about, she's about to kill herself, which uh, like, and the game is... And and by the way, what 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 triggers her to want to jump off the roof is like the most like dramatic like thing ever. When it's the most like innocuous like PG thirteen thing ever, you know, it's leaked online that she's been like the school whore because she was making out with guys at a club. <laughs> it's like and it's. It's so funny because it's almost like like these French people were like, oh, they're Americans and they're bigger prudes, so they would like have, like still see this as like wrong or something. Mm-hmm. Like they, it, that's just how it came off. Like it was like, oh, these Americans, they would obviously think that like this girl making out with these guys would be the whore or whatever. But it's like they literally treat it like she was like filmed having a gangbang or something. Yeah, it's... like you get you like go through her text messages or like her her like it was like letters I think, and it's like. I know what you did. You're going to hell. Yeah. Is like what people are saying to her. But I, lo- I, I, I eat up that melodrama. That's so, it's so good. It's, it's so, so it's so over the top. And again, it's another instance where I think they wanted to do a little bit more, but yeah. they're just like, mm. eh, we might get a little, we might, we're teetering. We might be teetering too close to a, a an adults only rating potentially. Mm-hmm having an a, a underage girl getting gang banged, but it's probably too close for the censors, you know, it, uh, yeah. but like, you know, Kate, you know, and she's on the roof and you have to like talk her off. And you specifically had a funny moment where, uh, you're presented with a choice. It's like, you know, think about, you know, one of four choices. And you said, think about your brothers 
and she's like, I don't have any brothers. I have sisters. <laughs> and that's what gets yeah, and then she jumps off the building after you say that, basically. It, it's so it's it's <laughs> like that moment is like that is camp. Like that is so over mm-hmm. the top. I guess okay. One thing that's important to say is that so the entire game before this point, you just are constantly using your rewind power for a bunch of just random crap, you know, random yeah. things, sometimes big, sometimes not. But then at this specific point in the game, it's yeah. like, oh, I can't rewind. I don't know why I can't. And so the <laughs> game is like, oh, yeah, remember how this whole game's about rewinding? Now you have to save this girl from jumping off a building just without the rewind thing. You just got to figure it out. We're not going to tell you how. Yeah. And it's. I mean, I, I love that sort of like do or die choice moment in the game. Yeah. Like, it it does rely on you interacting with the world and learning about Kate's life, and mm-hmm. you know you get to learn about a lot of uh, like the main supporting cast of this character of this game. You know, and yeah. you come to and you come to love them in all sorts of ways. Like, I I yeah. personally love I love Warren sort of gr- mm-hmm. learning learning to beat up Nathan at the have the fight. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I think. I love how this game handles both its like campy aspects. It handles its sort of melodrama aspects. And then I mm-hmm. love that it handles its surreal borderline horror. Like it goes. Yeah. The last two chapters, it's almost horror. But a like, lot of parts. I, I, and a lot of people just don't understand. I think they, they choose not to put, I think you literally have to put yourself in your shoes in, in our, as a high schooler in, mm-hmm. you have to realize that, we were all like this. We all know, yeah. we know these type of kids at our school. We knew, we all knew like certain, we may have not had a kid kill, killing themselves, but we knew <laughs> like at my school, there was a kid who died. Like mm. at my school, there was a teacher mm. who died. Like she, she died. And there was a teacher who got expelled and no one knows exactly what happened to him. Like, you know, there, there's mm. always those high school melodrama moments that yeah. sort of like define our lives but we would love to sort of erase that from ourselves we like to just think of the good times with our friends and all that stuff we choose mm-hmm. to eliminate the cringe and the traumatic or whatever and yeah. i think what this game does brilliantly in the fourth episode and the fifth episode is that it kind of reinforces the whole thing which i think is that the game is trying to say even as something as mon, even something simple as your high school life, which you know is f- full of discovering yourself and all that sort of stuff, you can't retroactively go back to the past to change something that di- you didn't like. You know, mm-hmm. things things have to happen. Things progress. It's a very touching story, honestly. You know, we all you know it's the center of this game is Max and the relationship she has with Chloe, her old friend, and you know more or less trying to catch up on five years of lost time and trying to help Chloe, you know, in her sort of situation where, you know, her dad died, her friend is missing. She's trying to like get back a, some sort of normalcy to her life. And, you know, I think that's a very, like that, that core of Max and Chloe, as much as people want to sort of like shit talk that aspect, I think it's, the strongest point of this game yeah. and mm-hmm. when the game sort of analyzes itself in four and five when you get introduced like to the dark room uh the dark room is fantastic i love the dark room it's like <laughs> one of the <laughs> yeah it's grisly and yeah i mean 
it doesn't go in like ultra violent details, but it, I mean, it's, it's, it does good. enough. It does what it needs to do. Yeah. <laughs> it shows enough. And I think you and I both know that no way in hell the dark, that whole dark room concept, that whole part of the game would not be allowed anymore. No. Like, oh, like, no. Im implying that a bunch of high school girls are getting raped and uh, being tortured and, like having the pictures taken themselves and like a high school teacher saying he wants to like, you know, get up all in them and uh like tie them up and all stuff. It's 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 crazy. And yeah. to think and to think to think that people like the liberals we all know ate this game up. Yeah, that's the no, that's the thing that's just so like like shocking to me is that like I didn't give people back then credit. Like yeah, they, they they were stronger than the people aren't than like liberals are now. Like let's yeah, be honest. It's like, like <laughs> I mean, you, we, I've experienced. I mean, you and I were this kind of person. Like where we're just yeah. like, ah, oh, this is just liberal crap. This is just what you know. This is my Alex Jones moment. Ah, oh, the liberals are feeding you all this lesbianisms, <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah, and like you know, we're kind of like retroactively like it's like the modern day sort of like right winger. Uh, aversion to seeing like s this sort of subject matter c conveyed and it, you really this game is very much like saying like it's willing to go there I mean mm -hmm. no way to say it it's willing to go there and you know episode 4 introduces the darkroom and Mr. Jefferson's sort of darker thing and using Nathan as sort of a scapegoat then it gets to episode 5 and I think Literally, it's the game's strongest. Honestly, from the nightmare to the very whatever ending you pick, mm -hmm. pick, I think that is the game's strongest point. Is in my opinion a masterpiece. Like that whole the mm -hmm. Max's nightmare and the final choice you have to make. I think are some of my favorite moments in any game mm -hmm. because it more or less that whole nightmare sequence more or less makes you confront that it. it it addresses literally the criticisms that every gamer had with the yeah. characters. It, the game is like, Max, you are a piece of shit that only cared about yourself and what you got out of a friendship. You're a, a lonely, self selfish person that only wanted people to like you, like which is what people criticize Max for. And it's like, yeah, the game yeah. understands this. The writers understood this, that Max only used her rewind powers to benefit herself. Mm -hmm. Like, it addressed that Chloe and has that segment where Max is like tied in the dark room and she's watching like Chloe flirt with everyone else in Max's <laughs> life, which I think is great. She is like, I love like, that. We're, we're like, we're Warren's like, huh? So both of us have been strung along by Max, huh? Yeah. And it's like Warren, I, or there's the moment where she's like making out with Victoria. It's like, Wow, Victoria, I, Max is such a child. I just wanted a real woman. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, this is how you shock a bra, Max. You know, no mosh pit for you. And and what's also great about this scene, too, is, like, Max doesn't say anything, more or less. She's basically, no. she's silent. You're basically, like, from that point, there's also that point, and then there's the part where you're, like, in a snow globe, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> And it was like, you're basically just stuck there. Like at that point in the game, you don't move really. You just kind of have to watch what's going on in front of you. Mm -hmm. it, it, 
it's such a great way to climax the game, you know, from those yeah. little, the little moments of abnormality, you know, the snowstorm at the lighthouse or the eclipse ha- hanging, happening when it shouldn't be like it builds up to art. I mean, that nightmare sequence and starts with Max in the classroom and it's like the windows are getting, I can't even tell what's happening, but it's like getting hit with blood or something or yeah, paint. Or yeah. Paint. It like just this, and all the characters just don't acknowledge it. Then you have like <laughs> Mr. Jefferson, like basically. Up, oh my up, God. Up front saying what he's going to yeah. do to Max. And then the, the game, like it gives you like, like choices or whatever. And you have to pick like choices that you would never actually say your character would never say where it's like, you're basically like, so for Mr. Jefferson, I don't think we mentioned it exactly, but so he's mm-hmm. your teacher. Mm-hmm. He's, he's her photography teacher. And the game at first basically portrays him as the only person that really understands her, her selfie potential. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, yeah. And then it turns out that he's actually just a serial like rapist and murderer. Basically, like they <laughs> and, they yeah. never they never explicitly say that, but it's obvious that's what he it's is. It's very much implied. Yeah. In yeah, like the in that nightmare sequence, they basically make all the only choices Max can say is like. I want you to fuck me like yeah. without without saying it yeah. like and you more or less have to go through I believe you have to go through like all four of those choices or whatever to like mm-hmm. progress through the nightmare yeah and like yeah. Mr. Jefferson is such a great character like <laughs> if he was written any later he would have not been this greatly realized as a, you know and the game yeah. also does a great way of like torturing you again where it's like you're supposed to help out Victoria, the rich girl. And like, mm-hmm. you're like, go to Mr. Jefferson. He's actually, he'll keep you safe. And then she gets killed based off your actions. Yeah. Like it, it's, it, it I, I can't say enough. The nightmare, like you go through the classroom, which gives me silent Hill energy where it's like, you're yeah. looking at the map and you keep going through the door a la PT. Keep which, going through. Yeah. It's just like a, it's very much like PT where you're, you're like in a, repeating cycle of the same room but it's just slightly different each time max has different clothes uh yeah through the, the at one shoot. point you turn into victoria oh yeah that, <laughs> i was like what the hell is happening like and then like if depending on how you uh if you save kate or not you confront her it's like i believe if you like save kate like the game's kate confronts you it's like you never really cared about me. Now I have even more problems because of you, because no one will stop talking to me. Like, wow. Like, yeah. Like Kate will literally confront you saying like, like you've caused me more problems. Now, like people won't stop trying to make sure I'm okay. And then it ends with her literally opening the door and jumping through, jumping a la she's jumping off the roof. Yeah. When I had it, you know, I, I, wasn't able to save her so she did kill herself and then in that scene she basically was just like why did you let me die max why'd you let me die and then she mm-hmm. does do the same thing where she opens the door and then jumps out yeah so. and, and i love that the game rem- like obviously it's a choice driven game but it mm-hmm. it remembers even all the way to the end what you've done yeah. and i think and constantly brings it back to taunt to like taunt you with it yeah it's everyone everyone just wants to criticize these characters when i'm like the game both understands the criticisms of these characters but it's like well that's the point these characters aren't perfect Mm -hmm. they're all 
They're all high school girls. They're all going to be some level of annoying or Uh self-centered or selfish. That's the point. And, you know, I think my favorite part of the nightmare sequence is at the diner where all these characters are looking at you. They're all looking at you in the diner and they're all saying, Max, please save us. Please save Mm us. And then you talk to basically subconscious Max, who's like, you know, basically uh, berating you, saying you didn't care about anyone. You just wanted to have friends. You, mm-hmm. you, you know, just cared about yourself this whole yeah, time. Yeah, like why? If Chloe was your friend, why didn't you talk to her for five years? You know, Chloe's just da- Chloe's dangerous, and she's going to set you down the wrong path. It's very upfront. Okay. Uh, okay. What are you going to say? I can. I just want to bring up uh, something from episode four at some point. So. Oh, no. oh yeah, no, no, go for it. I, I, I'm all for it. Okay. I, here. I just, I just another just insane part because we're just talking about kind of like episode four and five's like highs, you know, when it just goes into just complete insanity. Yeah. And just the part where you go back in time to where so the reason why Chloe ends up like sort of being the edgy girl. Is because her father dies mm-hmm. in a car accident, and you can go back in time and stop him from dying in a car accident. Yeah, with the oh assumption my, that I, it'll oh yeah the, that it'll the, save yeah. yeah the hospital scene. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, that it'll like help. That it'll like if you do that, that it'll uh, yeah. make Chloe's life go easier because she'll still have her dad. But it turns out that if he dies in a car, doesn't die, or if he doesn't die in a car accident. Chloe instead is severely maimed in a car accident. Yeah, she's and paralyzed. She's uncapable, yeah, she's completely paralyzed and can't move. And you go to talk to her, and like they've converted her her like house into like basically a hospital for her. Yeah, it it's so shock like it's insanely shocking. That was when the game really threw me for a loop. That yeah, was when from then on, that was when I was like, this game's actually just incredible. Yeah, like and every no one brings up that moment later on oh. if, if anything they only have like well at least the game acknowledges that max is an asshole like that's mm-hmm. the only thing they ever do when criticizing it like they never acknowledge that like you know whatever max does whatever you as the player do you can't for one you know one point you can't save chloe chloe's always mm-hmm. gonna have chloe's either basically always gonna die no matter what you do or anything mm-hmm. you can't you can't like and that's the thing like Max will keep trying to go back further in the past or she tries yeah. to find different moments where she can go and try to change things because she thinks she can. And, you know, she gets like the moment where she gets to go to with a California to have her selfies mm-hmm. on display. But it's like, well, the town, <laughs> the tornado has finally showed up to ready to destroy the town. Mm-hmm. Like it. If it, it's a very almost I, I don't know if I'm using the term correctly, but it's almost like postmodern or I don't know what the proper term would be it's like the game is like addressing itself it's addressing mm-hmm. you the pl- it's addressing the player it's like saying yeah the the idea of choice the idea of giving you the ability to basically have an undo button you know that doesn't matter it 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 doesn't matter it and it can't fix everything because something you can't, will open yeah up. You can't stop what what nature intended, you know. Yeah, which is Chloe has to die, which brings the game to its penultimate con- choice, which is 
when the town is about to be destroyed by the tornado and Max and Chloe are overlooking the town as this monster tornado is like not too like a football field away from destroying Arcadia Bay and you have to either sacrifice Chloe or you have to sacrifice the town in order to quote like set time back to normal as it were and another cool thing that this game does is it actually shows you the percentage of how people Mm -hmm. uh, picked and you told me before you told me that 52% of people sacrifice Chloe. Mm-hmm. And I think it the was game- the closest, like, I think it was the closest decision in the game. Cause usually they were kind of a, a little bit more skewed. Yeah. I, I which I'm oh, not it, shocked. Yeah. Uh, I know that you, you, <laughs> you, you got bamboozled, I think by yes, the choice. Uh, Cause you thought it said save Chloe, not sacrifice. <laughs> Not yeah, sacrifice not sacrifice Chloe. Chloe. Uh, but so, <laughs> or you, you go, you go, you go. The whole time I'm playing the game, I thought I was gonna sacrifice Chloe. But then mm. in the last like segment of the game, I just like really like because the right before you get up to that part where you have to make the decision, it gives you like a flat. You have to walk through all of the memories you've made with Chloe over the whole game. You have to relive all of them, and they're like, "See, remember all these things you did with Chloe," and it very much like is meant to guilt trip you into you know keeping Chloe around. Yeah, I think now. Obviously, I think the game wants you to sacrifice Chloe. I think that's yeah. the what the writers wanted, but I think they understood that people would get attached to Chloe, which I, mm-hmm. I can, I mean, it makes complete sense why the the choice in terms of player result is practically 50 50 like you do you do grow attached to chloe i mean as much as like people want to say i would never be a friend with chloe i would never mm-hmm. want to like be so close to her yeah you would you wanted a cool edgy friend in high school you wanted to be liked by you wanted to have a best friend that you could do everything with and you know live the rest of your life with and I completely understand people who pick save or you know sacrifice the town so that you can get you can have your art ho GF. Like but you know, I think I think obviously the you know the intended ending is to sacrifice Chloe. Yeah. But I think that ending again, much like from the nightmare on, is like perfect. Like the save cl- the town ending, sacrifice Chloe. I think the way the game kind of wraps it all together as it shows these pictures that you took with Chloe and they're getting rewritten as yeah. you know I think it's a very very beautiful moment and it it's mm-hmm. capped with that uh that beautiful which we didn't even get into the the music is like full of indie folk you know music mm-hmm. of the time which by the way of the time I was a big fan of like mm-hmm. you know it's it's so just the, it's the perfect soundtrack for something from that era. Uh, yeah. Uh, I forget the um, the specific song. It's like Spanish Sahara or something. Mm-hmm. But it, it it's such a beautiful moment, like where you are going to Chloe's funeral and you see like the characters that you bonded with, and you still remember that week you had with Chloe, because you know, mm-hmm. the game takes place over a week. Uh, but you still have those memories, and you know one little detail I love is that I think you're wearing Chloe's 
uh, spiked bracelet uh, during the funeral. Mm. Mm. But like, I think it's such a tender, sweet moment, even if it is sad, it's bittersweet and tragic mm. that you, like you could, at the end of the day, you couldn't save your childhood friend. You know, mm -hmm. she has to die tragically in the bathroom from a gunshot to the stomach. Like, but I think it's such a beautiful moment in that it, it conveys the message of you can't change things that were meant to happen. You know, yeah. to go off last week, you know, it's very much like, nature will find a way to make certain things happen like and you have mm -hmm. to act within the moment and i think you know having that pivotal moment of the bathroom you know i think I, i'm trying to like put it all together I, it's what I, i'm just what i'm trying to say is like life is strange understands sort of that tender the tender sort of emotional core of being that age you know mm -hmm. how emotionally extreme everything feels everything that is happening to you at that moment and so it handles it so sweet and tenderly mm -hmm. in the midst of tragedy you know and i you know i love the little image of you know the the butterfly you know the butterfly you know yeah. uh just that blue butterfly in the casket i feel like that's still you know the things max saw happen what we saw has happened i think I don't know. It, it, I don't understand the people who hate this game because it's no. it's not it's nowhere near a bad game. It's beautifully done. It's shocking, genuinely shocking. It's I mean, it's funny. It's cringe. It's it's so <laughs> many different things. Like you feel so many different emotions. It and it's I I I truly do love everything about this game. I came to mm -hmm. learn i came to learn to love chloe as much as people would like hate to, for me to say I, I mean it's like i posted a screenshot of this game from from the nightmare sequence and someone's like why are you playing this ass garbage and i'm like <laughs> i want to uh this game <laughs> this game is good people mm -hmm. need people people need to grow up already it's like this game did not like you know uh did not like rewrite your ballot to vote hillary in 2016 <laughs> like i i just people like gamers need to just like grow up and realize that yeah. like that not everything is meant is not everything is how you envision something happening you know mm -hmm. <laughs> that's why you're not writing the game or directing the game you wouldn't understand the the vision of this product from don't nod you know i there's a reason i mean sure you can say the reason why most of these player game people who play this game are women like because it's more in the emotional well, it's like yeah oh, that's what makes it work you yeah. know you you would love to think that you would not act like max chloe victoria kate warren nathan you know you would love to think that you would not be them but you were definitely one of these kids and I, it's like I, I can't stand gamers who just like want to hate on a product because they saw someone on Twitter telling them to hate mm -hmm. it. I feel the same way about The Last of Us 2. It's like The Last of Us 2 is one of the most daring and bold games of the last 10 years. And it's because enough people were shitting on it that it became like, well, you know, I got to hate on it because 
you know, you play as some sort of violent lesbian, you know, murdering people all across Seattle, but like not under, you know, they see the forest for the trees sort of thing, you know, yeah. they, they, they don't, they actually don't experience that product. They don't want to engage with it because someone told it, told them it was bad. Like, and, you know, I understand where gamers come from, you know, Gamergate was a, eye-opening experience for a lot of people myself included as i myself included yeah but i don't think life is strange is that game that you that was like changing things i think it was for one probably at the wrong time if it had come out like a few years beforehand it would have been way different received by the public i mean critics love this game gamers not so much but if it came out earlier people would probably have loved it because it was a bold it was a daring game an experimental game i guess in some ways but it, it was a game with a vision an artistic goal and you know not every game could be like mechanically complex and like a devil may cry you know this game is not trying to be devil may cry this game is trying to be life is strange yeah and, li- and life do be strange <laughs> like life do I, be strange so i guess you know that that kind of wraps up the conversation, if you will. So I don't know if you have any closing thoughts about Life is Strange by you. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I guess just like something that I really appreciate about this game is it, it kind of reminds me of, uh, thinking about it now, it reminds me of, of of Jack's episode about the Passion of the Christ, where it's sort of like, you if you can uh, market something in such a way something extreme in such a way to appeal to a group that would not typically have any involvement in something like that. I really respect something like that. I really respect something that like a game, this crazy, this like bizarre Mm -hmm. that has like this much extreme content was like played by just like annoying teenage girls. Yeah. And the the 2000s in the mid 2010s, like of all, you know, I never heard this game being retroactively called problematic ever by that group of people. They, no. they if anything, they probably forgot they played it. They moved mm-hmm. on to the next thing. Uh, it in a way it kind of has been memory hold in some. Oh cases. yeah, people like, don't. I don't think people realize just how big this game was at the time. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 this was the game everyone talked about. You know, mm-hmm. in the midst of the sea of PS4 games not coming out, you know, which, by the way, I think it's funny that this game came out right around the time Bloodborne came out. Like, <laughs> like, That's uh, weird to think. I think it did. I might be wrong, though. But the point being is, I think that. I think what is people just like to see this game as some sort of evil being that was bad it badly written it uh, makes mm-hmm. no sense the characters are awful it's like uh, did you play the game or did a youtuber tell you that like sort of mm-hmm. thing and i think yeah. people have to understand that games don't have to be about completing the level getting the high score or following a sort of by the books plot it has it can be out there and experimental it can be mundane and slow and methodical Hell, I've played Death Stranding. That is slow and methodical and is like Chinese water torture at some points at the beginning <laughs> of the game. But that ha- it has all a point. And granted, mm-hmm. 
look at the response people had to Death Stranding. Everyone, either people loved it or hate it, uh, mm-hmm. sort of thing. You know, when 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 a game experiments with sort of the confines of a game, you will get extreme re- responses from people. Like mm-hmm. so many games that don't do the things that gamers want like you know last of us 2 it doesn't do a it kills off joel because it's you know that's not what he deserves well maybe that's the point of the game sort of like what i'm getting at is that not everything does has to be the thing you want it to be it can be its own yeah. thing and it do something that's very exciting and interesting and i think Life is Strange encapsulates that. It captures the high school experience, the liminal moments in our lives as young Tumblr kids on the internet, you know, seeing the Lana, Lana Del Rey's and Marina the Diamonds and Charlie XCX's, like, <laughs> like seeing all that sort of flash on our screen and all like the fandoms and all that, like, you know, it captures that moment in life. It captures the extreme, like, horror elements of like reality breaking twin peaks thing like elements mm-hmm. too it captures you know it really is such a unique little game that like i for one i can't highly recommend they re they remastered it recently for you know this year in fact they they put the prequel game and the original game in one package so hey i i'm saying to the listeners you should buy it, give it a shot. Mm-hmm. You might actually like it. But I think to wrap it all up is that Life is Strange is a beautiful little nugget from that time period before things became sort of a homogenous experience, a sort of mm-hmm. the gloop had not formed yet. The gloop still had some time to bake in the oven, you know, sort of yeah. thing. And Life is Strange really is a right for me and you and i think it's the right game at the right time for a certain group of people and mm-hmm. uh i can't thank you enough by you for coming on this episode oh. <laughs> uh, uh the carolina boys deliver i think and i think i that is where i will cut the recording for tonight <laughs>